0: Hello friends, Ryan Rodriguez here. The next chapter of the Coolness Chronicles will begin next week. This time, we're taking a short break from the narrative for another installment of The Chronicles Reconsidered. In these minisodes, we usually focus on one film previously riffed on Mystery Science Theater 3000. I've watched these films in their original form and try to review them on their own merits, then compare my findings with the quote-unquote experiment. But this time, we're doing things a little differently. So, what do you say? Are you ready to reconsider The Chronicles? If so... Climb aboard. We're going for a ride through some weird shit. Oh, and spoilers. There have been numerous films that have the distinction of being frequently referenced on MST3K. I believe The Wizard of Oz has the distinction of holding the top rank, mentioned at least every episode of Joel's tenure on the show and most of Mike's. Goodfellas has also been consistently referenced from seasons 2 through 10. But the one I chose to review for today's episode was one of the first examples of using a film or television title to reference physical movement. Manix being uttered whenever somebody jumps is another example. What am I referring to?
1: Jim Carter! Jim Carter. Jim Carter! Oh, wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> this movie's making me nostalgic for the film Jim Carter.
0: The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences declared Out of Africa to be the best film of 1985. Bullshit. Let's talk about the real deserving picture, Jim Cotta.
1: His name? Kurt Thomas. His title? Three time world gymnastics champion. His assignment? A secret mission for the United States government. His only weapon himself and that's all he needs combine the discipline the timing and the power of gymnastics with the explosive force of karate and a new, all-powerful martial art is born Gymkata Kirk Thomas becomes Jonathan Cabot he must penetrate a mountain fortress to compete in an ancient savage ritual they call it the game but nobody wins and nobody lives until now when gymnastics and karate are fused, the combustion becomes an explosion, and a new kind of martial arts superhero is born Jim Kata.
0: Now, before we discuss the actual plot of the movie, I want to get something straight. In the actual film, no one ever talks about Jim Kata. What it is, what it means, when it's used, what differentiates it from other forms of fighting, nothing. So if you didn't see the trailer and went into this cold, 90 minutes later your mind would be blown and you wouldn't be any closer to understanding the title. What the trailer does get right, however, is the basic gist of the plot, a very generous word. Distinguished Olympic gymnast and definite non-actor Kurt Thomas is Jonathan Cabot, a brash young uh, gymnast who's recruited by a government agency that does not exist to travel to Parmistan, a barbaric country in the Hindu Kush range. Parmastan only accepts visitors if they play the game, a brutal gauntlet of athletic dexterity and skill with no clear rules or objectives other than climbing mountains and avoiding a bunch of men in ninja outfits armed with machetes and arrows. But if you just survive the game, which no outsider has done in over 900 years, you are gifted with two things, your life and one request. The government wants Cabot to play in order to request that Parmistan allow the United States to install an early, early warning Earth station for the Star Wars missile defense program in the country. Also, Cabot's dad went to Parmistan to play the game, probably dead. and manager of the game is planning a bloody coup against the king, blah 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 blah. Cabot is lucky enough to have someone from Parmistan looking out for him, Princess Rubali, who, when she's not putting a knife to his throat, gives him plenty of sex and then frets about outdated policies and political strife present in her home country. But you're not watching this for the plot. You're here for the ludicrous nonstop action. As it turns out, most of the game involves riding horses and climbing ropes, but when the terrain becomes less scenic and more claustrophobic, it seems to be perfectly suited for a gymnast. As Cabot finds himself being attacked on all sides in a village full of insane... villagers, only to come upon a narrow alley, there's a miraculous parallel bar for him to grab a hold and kick dozens of villagers in the face one by one. When that technique overstays its welcome... An unarmed cabot runs into a dead end as the crazies descend upon him with sickles, hammers, and pitchforks. But what does he find as the horde begins to overwhelm him? A pommel horse. Not something he manages to use as a makeshift pommel horse, an actual pommel horse. In this moment, it becomes clear what Jim Cotta is truly about. Not about the fear of nuclear war at the height of the Cold War, or about the westernization of the Eastern world, but about and a whole lot of As evidenced, By this beautifully written scene. Cabot naturally wins the game and encounters his poor, battered father, ensuring that his mission to request the missile station is a success. And just in case this beat was somehow ambiguous, the last shot of the film is a freeze frame of Cabot and the Princess, accompanied with a text subtitle declaring that the missile station was installed in 1985, not dissimilar to a film based on a true story. Jim Cotta was directed by Robert Klaus, probably best known for directing Enter the Dragon, which frankly stunned me when I noticed his name in the credits. This film is so awfully staged and grimy looking that I wouldn't be surprised if when filming started, Mr. Klaus went out for a smoke break and never came back, forcing the crew to pick a Yugoslavian extra at random and giving them complete control of the production. The screenplay, which I have to assume was written on a cocktail napkin in a foreign language and translated into English scene-by-scene scene right before the cameras rolled, was actually based on a novel. That novel? Hop on Pop. Kurt Thomas leaves a lot to be desired as an on-screen presence, much less an action hero, but thankfully his wooden delivery and lack of charisma is counterbalanced by such cinematic thespians as the pay- playboy playmate who played the princess, or that guy who trains Thomas's character by spouting nonsense while Kurt chops wood. There are many sounds around us.
1: Each slide is definite. So small as to go unnoticed. By the person who is unaware. Do not hear the wood split. Hear the only sound of axe calling in air. Read the air itself. It has much say to you. That said,
0: for all of its flaws, Jim Cotta boasts one of my favorite main themes of the 1980s, and I am not joking. Sure, it's mostly the Super Mario Bros. warp level as filtered through John Williams' Circa Jaws, but it's amazing. If you consider yourself a connoisseur of bad movies, Jim Cotta is a required part of the lexicon. It's so blissfully misguided and endearingly dopey that it can be appreciated on multiple levels. You can enjoy it ironically, or if you're like me, on drugs. That's two whole levels. And if you listen to this minisode without watching the movie first, trust me when I say this. Despite the spoiler warning and the fact that I essentially spoiled everything in the movie, you are not prepared for Gymkata. It defies every preconceived notion you could conjure and leaves you with memories that you'll cherish until you shuffle off this mortal coil. It's the very definition of accidental brilliance. And even if you live for a thousand years, which honestly sounds miserable, one haunting mystery will forever elude you. How did that pommel horse get there? That's all for this week. If you're enjoying these minisodes, tell a friend, share it with a stranger, leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, rate us on whatever source you use, and visit our Facebook page, the links to which are in the show notes for this episode. Every little share and recommendation helps immeasurably. Next week kicks off a brand new chapter of The Coolness Chronicles, all about MST3K's sixth season, but we'll be reconsidering things in the months to come. Stay tuned. Until we meet again, friends, remember, do what you love, don't be a dick, And, as always...
1: Bitch, please, you've been to space.
0: Coolness Chronicles is written, produced, and edited by Ryan Rodriguez. Executive producers are Tracy Rodriguez and Luis Rodriguez. Original music by BuildSherm. Please visit BuildSherm.BandCamp.com for more information.